Welcome to Wonderfully Done, a wholesome show about sex, communication, and loving yourself. You are listening to Lauren, and usually I have got the gorgeous babe Vix here with me. We are two queer, cute little ladies down in Melbourne, Australia, and we like to get together just to nerd out about sex, love, relationships, and everything in between. Usually it's the two of us, and we love to take your questions and basically get input from our listeners about what sort of conversation should we be having? What sort of questions or curiosities or challenges do you have in your personal love, dating, or private internal lives, really? And so we really position ourselves as being your sex-positive pals. We are not doctors, we're not therapists, we're not um, sex experts with qualifications. We're just really uh, passionate amateurs, and we love getting friendly and silly and having some chats with you. So that's generally the approach that we take with one done and we're bringing the wholesomeness back into conversations about sex and dating and and everything else but you're sitting down with me for a special interview episode in a special interview episode we sit down with someone who's doing something that we think is just really really cool and we often ask our listeners for questions about what to chat about and we just have an off-the-cuff fun conversation So I'm really excited that we have got Nikki Darling here with me today. Nikki Darling's true name is also Lauren, a fellow Lauren. And Nikki Darling Australia was really one of those adult stores that really stood out for me when I saw it, especially because of their gender-free cataloging system. And it's very curated. It's very specific. You don't open it up and have a million different things. And it's not a competition about the race to the bottom on price. Uh, Everything with Nikki Darling is great quality, Handpicked, recommended, uh, the owner is amazing, knows everything about it, and I've been a fan for a really long time. So I sat down with Lauren to have a good old chat, fellow Animal Crossing fan, totally love it. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to sidle on over and play that for you, my sweet bambinos. So today, dear listeners, I'm very excited because I am joined by someone who has founded a company that I love to frequent. I love shopping at this online store. I'm speaking with Lauren Clare, the founder of Nikki Darling. Hello, fellow Lauren. I am doing great today. Thanks for having me. My my dear fellow Lauren, the Nikki Darling brand, this is a, a sex toy and sexual health or pleasure-focused business that I've felt really good about since I came across it. It really feels like what you have is a, a selection, like a curated kind of selection. It's not overwhelming and it feels like so many of the other brands are, you know, harassing me with emails and it's a race to the bottom on pricing and things like that. But but I'm really getting ahead of myself. For the listeners, can you describe the Nikki Darling brand? I think you've um, you've done a pretty good job at uh, at ticking some of the the things that I would use to describe my brand, and that's what it was all about. It was about creating a space that wasn't like your run of the mill sex store or your run of the mill online sex store. Something that was a little bit pared back, that didn't scream out at you with pop-ups and demand your attention and demand your money. Something that was just a little bit more laid back, easy to navigate, and importantly, something that just took gender out of the equation altogether. Because we don't need to gender 
so many things in the world and sex toys is absolutely one of those products that just gender doesn't need to come into it. And that's something that I really respond to when I have a look at the store because so many of the other brands out there, they've got, you know, hard body, <laughs> super, super slender people that are just looking like really stereotypical stock images. I can't relate to those bodies. I can't relate to the relationships that they're depicting because they're so often, you know, Barbie and Ken and it just looks so far away away from my own sex life. So when I go to your store and I'm looking at color and I'm looking at cuteness and I can have a look at toys and items that are based on body parts and gender is is outside of it. Was this something that was always part of the Nikki Darling approach from day one? Absolutely. That's uh, so when I started the business, I had previously been managing another adult store in Melbourne and I loved what they did. They were compared to everything else, very progressive, um, very queer focused, queer owned and operated, but had still started to I guess, fall behind a little bit in terms of being as progressive as I thought they could be. And there were just little pieces here and there. And I went, I think that that could be done differently. I think that that could be done better. And so eventually I decided, you know what, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. I need to open up my own business. I need to show the world a different way to approach selling sex toys and talking about sex more broadly as well. Love it. And when I was sort of looking at the Nikki Darling story, I was seeing that you'd previously worked as a phone sex operator, as a sex toy reviewer, and then you'd worked in this brick and mortar sex toy store, if that's correct. And so what principles were you bringing from this, you know, diverse background? That's a good question. I, I guess if we're sort of going, you know, the, the way back story, I, as perhaps you can relate to, I was always that friend. So I was the person who in school was sneaking in the um, the copies of Cosmo and Cleo and, and getting into those sealed sections with my friends hidden up the back of the library. And, and then as I grew up, became that person who people wanted to come and talk to about their relationships and about their sex lives. And I was pretty daring and very exploratory. And that carried through into the work I started to, to touch on. So I actually started moving into an events-based career. Uh, I was very involved in the music industry, uh, working for venues around Melbourne. And then one day I ended up just pivoting and discovered a love of sex toys, discovered uh, a love of, of sex communication, and just really took off from there it became my my absolute passion in life it's my my sole passion and it's it's all encompassing now so I can't really imagine doing anything else at this juncture I absolutely love that because I'm nodding like crazy Vix and I can completely relate in that we're like the sex nerd friends that I love the way that you talk about being interested in sex communication because we both, you know, Vix and I both feel like so many of us have got so much healing and so much recovery to kind of do in that in that area. Like in the society that we live in, there's so much constraint and so much damage that does happen. And it feels like the Nikki Darling brand there's so much empathy that's there. Like I feel, I feel welcome to reach out, reach out to you, you know, as really an expert on those items and say, I'm having vaginal pain or what can I do for my partner that has arthritis or, you know, what can I do about this? And it feels like I might be welcome to have a conversation with you about it, which does not feel possible at all with the big brands. Do you find that that comes up a lot in your work? It absolutely does. Uh, every, every day I'm, receiving emails or messages or phone calls from people and 
those are the conversations that I'm having, those, those exact conversations about this is an issue I'm having. This is something that I've discussed with my, with my doctor or with my pelvic specialist and they've suggested these items and they just don't know where to start on this journey. And I feel like the work that I do and, and really the work that you're doing with this podcast as well, like what we're doing is filling in those blanks that the world hasn't filled in for us when it should have, which is in our formative years and our schooling years. And we aren't prepared for these positive affirming relationships that we want to have with, with ourselves or with other people. So being someone who can facilitate those conversations and help to fill in those blanks is just, it's such rewarding work. Absolutely. And I think something that really strikes me about the Nikki Darling brand is that it feels joyful, whereas a lot of the other sex toy stores are kind of like trying to be sexy to me, if that makes <laughs> sense, in a way that I don't like. <laughs> I absolutely know what you're talking about. And that sort of the thing is that I, obviously my brand needs to have a brand idea identity and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but what I don't want to do is force a sexual identity onto my, my customer base or my client base because it's so personal. So absolutely just providing that not blank space, but it's just a, an open space for people to come along and, and see themselves reflected in some way, whether it be my, my use of color, my use of the, the cartoon mascots that I have the specific store categories that I, I organize my collection into, just creating that blank space. I love that. And I do feel like, you know, for myself and for Vix, you know, doing this podcast, getting into that sex communication, that's what we love the most is that people can come to us and say, I'm curious about this. I have questions about this, even just to feel sort of not alone or to feel welcome can make a really big difference. And myself, you know, as a small business owner, I know that it's really hard to to run a business and the world can be very, very unfriendly, especially lately when it comes to brands that have anything to do with, with sexuality. But what would you say that you love the most about what you do? Like what keeps you showing up, even though this kind of work can be really hard? It can be really hard. Um, and like you say, increasingly so. It's an increasingly hostile world to sex positivity and sex related businesses. But when you get that feedback from someone who you've been able to help along on their journey, that's what keeps me going. Just having the business of my own where I can really truly curate a range and stand behind every product that I sell, stand behind every sex educator that I work with on events, and then just holding that space for people and all the complexities that are inherent to sex and sexuality. When I do that and I get that feedback from people that I've been able to do that to facilitate that for them, I mean, that's everything. That's literally what keeps me coming into my office every day and just keeping on, keeping on. Absolutely. And, you know, you and I have, have chatted a little bit about this, you know, Sester Foster world. It's It can be so hard and draining to even keep across everything that's happening politically, globally around sex positivity, around sex worker safety, so much hard stuff in an already hard shit pile, <laughs> honestly. So I'd be so curious to chat to you about some of the challenges with things like advertising for yourself or how Nikki Darling approaches getting the word out there, finding the right kind of people that, you know, resonate with your business or resonate with your approach. What have you found has worked or not worked for you? 
Yeah, well, I learned very early on that um, those, I guess, what we consider these days to be the standard or even perhaps traditional advertising methods, they're not really accessible to small sex-focused businesses. Um, either they're, I'm, I'm priced out of it being an option in the more mainstream avenues like television or commercial radio advertising. And then when it comes to social media, of course, they they don't want a bar of us. Uh, I've tried to pay Facebook, for example, to advertise workshops, relationship communication workshops, or a greeting card with a couple of cute bears on the cover. Like, And they just don't want a bar of anything to do with my business. And so I had to practice some radical acceptance around the sex negativity that's in our world and that's on these online spaces and go, there's got to be a way to work around this. And really, it's about community. So from the get-go, I have been active in my my local and the wider Australian community. Uh, even internationally, I've supported a number of different events and organisations with sponsorships and we do cross-promotion things and just becoming part of that wider sex positive community. And we all just help each other get the word out about what we're doing and that's really the best way, I think, for, for businesses like us to move forward is just, it's people power. I agree with you because for me, when it comes to things like pleasure or sex or sexual health, word of mouth goes a long way for me because, you know, I might need a, a high degree of emotional and physical safety, <laughs> you know, to even feel like I can go into a brick and mortar store. And that's the kind of thing of this aggressive, male gaze focused, heteronormative vibe that has been such a part of adult stores, even when I was young, that even though I was horny and confused and curious, I still wouldn't feel like I could really go into there. And so gravitating to the people that made me feel safe, the fellow sex nerds that had interesting things to say, and hearing from them about where to buy things definitely goes a long way. So that's really cool to hear that you've been able to be a part of events and put push back in that way and just being a good business, you know, being reliable, showing up for community, I think does go a really long way. But I was, I was very curious for you. Uh, have you been surprised by what sells well sometimes or what has done well in your business? It's funny you ask that. Recently, the thing that surprised me the most, and this is sort of looking back across 2020, the, the lost year that was 2020, I have never sold more anal toys. And I've been in this industry, in the sex toy retail industry for over a decade at this point, and I have never sold more anal toys than I did in 2020. So I don't know what it was about the pandemic, about people being at home more, about just the tension in the air. I don't know what it was, but people were like, you know what? This is the year that I'm exploring my butt and I'm all for it. <laughs> you know what, fellow Lauren, I have got a theory on this and I think that that theory for anal curiosity might have something to do with TikTok because I have seen so much of the rise of femboy culture and even pegging culture coming up on TikTok so much that it's like, have we gotten everyone interested in butt stuff? So that's my theory. That's my theory. I want the listeners to chime in and tell us why this, you know, last year could have been the year of the butt somehow. <laughs> I think that's a solid theory. I do. I think also just uh, more broadly, where as as we move forward, people are, they're getting a little bit more curious and they're also realizing that that curiosity is okay and that they're uh, absolutely, I mean, things like TikTok prove it that there's people out there who are happy to talk to you about this stuff. We can see maybe a little bit more 
anal play in some of the shows we watch these days. And so uh, the taboo is lessening, I think. But yes, absolutely. Um, if you have theories out there, I would be very keen to hear them too. <laughs> and I do think TikTok is very interesting because that was my nice social media last year. You know, that was the social media that wasn't asking anything of me. Very entertaining, very interesting. And it has been very interesting to see people go to TikTok for education, you know, and there's, and I'm seeing some sex ed happening on TikTok. Obviously there's a risk with that because people could just hop on and just say whatever. But have you found yourself looking at that as a platform or considering that as a business or making connections with people that use it as their main platform? Absolutely. I know I should be on the TikTok, but as you may... Uh, but we're old, Lauren. As, and that's what I was just going to say, as you may guess from my use, use of the phrase, the TikTok, I'm uh, <laughs> not quite the intended demographic. So with looking at Nikki Darling moving forward, getting some younger blood, some younger sex educator blood into the Nikki Darling umbrella would be a great thing for my business business. So that's absolutely something I'm looking at moving forward is how to make sure I'm staying relevant and communicating with young people as I age out of being a young person myself. <laughs> yes, I think th I think that's very wise because, you know, businesses, I mean, businesses need to have a target market. Would you say that for yourself, your main, I mean, I'm sure that you get such a broad range of customers, but your very reliable, the ones that really recommend you. And, you know, I don't want to say the word evangelize, but <laughs> for, for, the, for the lack of a better word, is that generally sort of the queer youth or, you know, queer folks in their 30s or so, people that are a little bit a higher level of sex education, do you think? Or do you have several different age brackets that tend to cluster around you? Yeah, look, I, I have to say, I don't pay a great deal of attention to demographics, which is sort of an intentional decision. I really don't want to be a sales focused business. And I find that when you start getting bogged down into, you know, what age is my audience, you know, and obviously you need to be able to reach out and find your audience and communicate with them. But I'm just not really interested in working out the details. I just, I'm here for literally everyone. And when I do have a look and see what the, the mix is looking like, it is really broad. It's, it's young adults through to people, you know, into their senior years. And I have a lot of sex educators who recommend my business to their clients. I'm partnered with a few uh, different organizations, SHIPS, who are a great um, sexual health psychology service run by Sarah Ashton in Melbourne. Uh, we've partnered recently and what they're doing is is so great. So yeah, my customer base is really broad, really mixed. Mm, it's mm. funny, sometimes people say, what's the gender uh, makeup of your, your audience? <laughs> they say, I think you've missed the point of my business. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they've missed the point of the business, but also how expensive is their idea of gender and things like that anyway? Even if you go and have a look at like Facebook ads and things like that, like marketing is my background, so I can nerd out about that stuff forever. But just the way Facebook is like, you can target ads by all genders, or if you want to get specific, you can quote unquote only go by male or female. And it's all just a bit of a sloppy mess. But but for yourself saying, you know, the client base is really broad. The reason people that are coming to you is really, really broad. I mean, I feel like 
I'm very curious about what a general work day might look like for you. And I know it's probably very different, but you mentioned having an office. Could you sort of walk us through a little bit of a, a day in the life of the Nikki Darling brand? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Get up, cry deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Good. No, I, uh, I usually get started just checking my emails and the DMs on the various social media platforms just to make sure that I'm not missing any queries from existing or prospective customers, making sure their questions are getting answered, um, which I love to do. And even if it doesn't end up with them buying something from me, people asking questions about products is great and gives me a chance to do what I really love doing, which is digging in and researching things and and finding an answer, which is um, uh, one of my favorite parts of my day. Uh, obviously there's order packing and I do everything myself. This is a, a the very definition of a small business. It's just me. I'm a sole trader, micro business. So I'm here answering the emails, answering the phone, packing up the orders, getting more obviously stock in and trying to get some blog entries and social media up. And if I'm lucky, testing out some new products. Mm, hell yeah. I'm super curious when it comes to products as well. Are you able to talk a little bit about the relationship that you do end up having with suppliers? Because for me, I've been super curious to see a couple of brands like Lilo and things like that sort of emerge and in my mind have quite a good healthy market share and like reputation for quality. But what does the relationship with suppliers look like when you are a retailer? Do they end up sending you demonstration units for toys or how do, how do you sort of chat back and forth with each other? Yeah, look, sometimes, um, sometimes I'm lucky and uh, manufacturers or distributors send out new products that they are keen for retailers to get their hands on and try out. So that can be part of it. I have really good relationships with all the local distributors in this area. So I'm often on the phone for, you know, a good half an hour having a having a chat to people about what's upcoming, what's um, being discontinued, all sorts of things like that. I really like going out and finding small businesses and uh, artisan makers who I can team up with as well. So some of the brands I stock like New York Toy collective and fun kit toys these little indie toy makers who don't get stocked by the large distributors in this country and so i just order directly from them and i'm really pleased to be able to bring that that diversity into our market here as well. I think that's very cool. And I, for me, you know, personally, things like I meant, I'm like, okay, this brand means a certain amount of quality. And then if there's a store like Nikki Darling that has these indie toys, I'm probably looking for some kind of content marketing or some kind of review or explainer on how is this different? You know, how does this toy compare to others? And I mean, your background as a sex toy reviewer, do you find that that really helps you in your work when it comes to positioning certain toys or helping to paint a picture for how a client might use that toy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the things that I'm really strict about is that I won't sell a toy unless I've actually been able to try it out myself. You know, if not in the intended use, then getting it into my hands and and checking out that quality for myself and not just taking the, the party line of a, a new product or a new brand. And that's even with brands that I stock, I may not necessarily stock their entire product line because I can't 
necessarily in good faith support their entire product line. So I'm really picky uh, when it comes to what I'm willing to back because for me, like I said earlier, I'm not really interested in being a pushy salesperson, upselling, making you buy that hot new toy that everyone loves and you'll orgasm in one second flat. Like that's just not my vibe. I want to find something that meets your needs and that's going to work for you and that I can actually say this is a product that I have faith in from a brand that I trust and so I want you to be able to trust me so I need to be able to make sure I trust the products I'm selling. And I think it just makes it a less overwhelming kind of experience because, you know, when I was going into brick and mortar stores, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure 20 of these are duds and one might be good and I can't tell which one. And <laughs> the person really just wants and needs to make a sale because they're not paid enough, you know, to, to give me good service. So something like Nikki Darling, where there's a choice between three instead of a choice between 30. I mean, I personally... Uh, really do appreciate that. But when I have a look at the range, something that really strikes me in the safer sex section is that you actually sell dental dams and internal condoms. And back when I was, you know, a, a little cookie and I was learning about sex education in a very poor underbaked kind of way, reading books and stuff, a lot of them mentioned dams and they mentioned internal condoms as potential ways uh, to have more protected sex. But then once I was sexually active, I could never see that stuff anywhere. And I was curious about trying some of those things, but I didn't see them in pharmacies and I didn't see them in, um, in adult stores at all. Were these things that you really had to make a point to try and stock or was it hard to get? Look, I'll give props to the, the store that I was working for before I started Dicky Darling they introduced me to those products, to things like the FC2 internal condoms and to dams. So I was fortunate that when I started Nikki Darling, I already had built those relationships with the various suppliers of these products, but they're few and far in between, particularly in Australia. I can access exactly one brand of dams here, um, which are great. Don't get me wrong. I love the sheer glide dams immensely. Everything that glides put out are, are really high quality latex products but they are latex products. And so what I have been spending years desperately trying to locate, and honestly, if someone could just create the product, that would be great. Can we get some non-latex dams for our allergy friends up in here? Absolutely. That's exactly it. Cause I'm like, oh, I think dams would be really useful and you know, and I've and I've wanted to have them, but I've resorted to things like glad wrap <laughs> and shit like that to to not to not have a latex situation. Yeah. So look, I'm my, so surprised. My one tip for people who do have uh, latex allergies and have cause for wanting to use dams, take your non-latex penile condom and a good pair of sterilized surgical scissors and just give a snip up one side and then that condom will stretch out and it will be a, a makeshift, you know, uh, sex safe alternative while we wait for the industry to give us the, to the, catch up to catch up exactly mm -mm. it's really interesting when it comes to like trends and where australia is at because even talking to my relatively good relatively sex positive gp and for myself using um hormonal birth control with the nuva ring which you know kind of looks like a little jelly bracelet and you put it in your coochie and it's a slow release hormone thing i find it to be a really great alternative to uh, to the hormonal pill for for uh for birth control but she's just saying like i can't i can't get people to try it it's just it's not uh it's not 
known about very well and the uptake where she's come from in the UK, it's so much more popular. So even when it comes to to things like that, I just feel like Australia's got very particular tastes, but also maybe doesn't have full knowledge of all the options out there. But that's me editorializing. (laughs) (laughs) No, look, I think that's true. And I think that when it comes to uh, birth control, we're really still stuck in that you know, it's it's the pill, maybe it's the IUD, but beyond that, there's, I mean, things like Kaya, the diaphragm, pe- a lot of people don't know about that either. So there's definitely a lot out there that we could be presenting people with greater options. And when it comes to sexual health, a lot of good quality options is where it's got to be. Yeah. And I mean, there's just so many things that even I haven't tried. I've never tried a diaphragm and things like that. And if there was you know, if there were workshops or anything that's like, hey, broaden your understanding about safer sex or sexual health and, you know, by by joining this, you will get one of this, one of this, one of this. I would totally sign up. Like, I would find that really, really interesting. And so have you found that, you know, the, the mashed potato year of 2020 and not being able to have workshops or in-person stuff as much, has that been really hard for you personally and professionally? Yeah, look, I absolutely miss uh, running. One of the things that I really love doing is being in person with, I'm a people person. I get my energy from being in a space where people are. And one of the things that I've always loved doing with Nikki Darling is running the workshops and running the pop-ups at, at markets and events and just being able to have those chats with people in person. And I'm missing it. I'm missing it immensely. So I'm I'm hoping that um, by the end of 2021, workshops are back on the table. And I guess also it's 2021 and maybe it's time to start looking at some, uh, some digital alternatives. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about digital alternatives as in hands and fingers and there's some kind of clever joke somewhere <laughs> that I absolutely can't make. But, but I did notice, you know, and we've chatted a little bit about it, describing yourself as kind of a sex toy collector. Like you appreciate these items yourself. You've always had an interest in them. Uh, for a long time. I'm curious about what being a sex toy collector means for you. Anything you're loving right now? I mean, is your home sex toy storage situation just a hot mess? Because mine is just shocking. It's out of control. It's, it's <laughs> At this juncture, it's really out of control. I have rooms dedicated to just Amazing. boxes of boxes and boxes of things that I need to sort out. <laughs> <laughs> is it sorting out? Is it gifting on? You know, is it is it recycling? Like, what 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 have you sort of got to do with all these piles of treasures? One of my big problems at the moment is I'm such a completionist that I'm really reluctant to part with the packaging of products, ah, which of mm. course you can imagine a dildo takes up so much space, but the dildo inside its giant box takes up <laughs> a lot more space. Yeah. And just like Funko toys, but night- <laughs> nightmare size. <laughs> that's right. And see, one of the things that I do is I collect vintage toys. Oh. So I have some beautiful pieces from like uh, older than 100 years old wow. through to the 70s and, and slightly more modern pieces. And when I'm looking for vintage toys, I'm always looking for something that's still in its packaging that has its, you know, little booklets and, and all the bits and pieces that came with it. And so with my modern collection, I'm really conscious of when someone sees this collection in 50 years time, what are they going to wish it still had? And 
ergo I have rooms full of giant dildo boxes that I don't know what to do with. <laughs> I love that so much that you are to a T a collector in the same way that someone is a collector of anything else with the packaging with everything else I think that is so cool and I want you to do like a curated museum collection because I haven't really seen um, antique stuff like that that sounds extremely cool yeah so when I was starting the business back in 2015 one of the things I did before I opened was I actually took a trip to the United States which was part pleasure, part business. The, the business of pleasure. The business oh. of pleasure. Oh, oh no. Uh, so I got to go and look at a lot of sex stores over in North America and Good Vibrations in San Francisco um, are quite well known for their antique vibrator museum, which is curated by the amazing sexologist Dr. Carol Queen, who's an, you know, an absolute idol of mine. And I got to go there and see that and it was phenomenal and I mean, just quietly, just quietly between you and I, Lauren. Mm. And everyone listening. <laughs> when Nikki Darling uh, does eventually move into a brick and mortar space, having some component of a uh, vintage vibrator display is absolutely on the cards. Amazing. I love that. I think that sounds so good. That sounds excellent. And for yourself, you mentioned uh, this doctor, Dr. Carol, who's been an idol. Are there other people that you would just love people to go and check out in terms of education or books or resources that you just find you recommend again and again? Yeah. Gosh, where do we start? So some of my favorite sex educators uh, Louise Boucher, who I came up with, we worked at the store, um, an amazing sex educator. They're currently working on a PhD in, on sexuality and aging, um, which is fascinating stuff. Uh, so their work is really interesting and they're one of my favorite people to do workshops with. Cindy Darnell is a really important sex educator and who was really important in my personal career growth as well. Cindy used to host an event in Melbourne some years back now called the Pleasure Forum, which was an amazing night, monthly event where we all used to pile into a, a bar in the city and there'd be a panel of people and a different topic each month. And this, this real sense of community was fostered in those rooms. And um, I learned a great deal from Cindy as well. Cindy also released a, it's a DVD slash digitally available series called The Atlas of Erotic Anatomy and Arousal. It has five different chapters focusing on a different part of erotic anatomy, and it is one of the absolute best educational resources that I have in my toolbox, and I recommend it to anyone that will listen. I uh, obviously, Dr. Carol Queen, who else? Tristan Tarmino, who was one of the, the first sex educators that I really came across and has written just so many books, so many guides to different forms of pleasure, um, a lot of stuff on anal play. So for all those people who are buying butt plugs and want to take that a bit further, look up Tristan Tarmino's work for sure. There's just, there's so many people. Betty Dodson, who's sadly no longer with us, was an absolute pioneer um, in sex toy focused sex education. So I think that's worth noting. Betty Dodson was, for those who don't know, um, a feminist in New York, back in the day and just a total badass who would host masturbation workshops in her very small New York apartment where people would pile in, get naked, box of uh, Hitachi magic wands would get passed around and women would learn to 
orgasm and to masturbate. And I think that's just, you know, that's, that's revolutionary stuff. Absolutely. Right there. Yeah. I've heard so much, so much about her work and, you know, rest in peace, like very much interested in going back and having a look at, having a look at everything that is there. And I often feel like the whole world of sexuality, of pleasure, of body acceptance, it's kind of like learning how to cook, you know, there's always so much more to learn and how do different people do things and, I just think that that's fantastic. I think that's a really good a really good little resource list and I'll chat with you about getting some of the some of the spelling and things so we can put it in the in the show notes so people can do a whole bunch more research. But for yourself, uh, are there hidden gems that you'd love more people to try in 2021? Is there anything on the store that you're like, "I wish more people were buying this thing because it's so great and underrated?" I don't know if I call it a hidden gem. But if 2020 was the year of the butt plug, then I, I'm going to call 2021 real early in the piece. I'm going to call 2021 as the year of the strap-on. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I have been getting an increasing number of inquiries, and this may this may have some relation to the uh, increased interest in anal play with, with pegging and things like that. But I definitely feel like there's been an uptick in inquiries around strap-ons, harnesses, dildos, etc., um, so 2021, it's the year of strap-on play. Let's all strap on. Let's do it. <laughs> yep, try a strap. Absolutely. Yeah, Vix and I have actually had a really interesting question question come in about 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 strap-ons and you know a woman who really wants her boyfriend to sort of perform oral sex on a strap-on mm. and the boyfriend having you know like no that's gay and the girlfriend's like no it's not a gender thing like this is a sex toy sort of situation do you find that people are coming to you with kind of like relationship questions as well and do you try and navigate that yeah absolutely and i mean it's worth pointing out that i am i'm not a relationship expert i'm not a counselor my area of specialty is largely in the products themselves having said that I work with a lot of really good sex educators and I'm always happy to point people in the right direction if they need to have deeper chats about their relationships and about how to approach the topic of of introducing new kinds of play and what happens when you start running into those problems in relationships where you can't find yourself on the same page with your partner. But yeah, I hear from people who have these sorts of relationship issues and there's a few ways to approach it. And I think it's frustrating when I hear, you know, uh, people talking about sex toys as being that's gay or, you know, that's, that's not masculine or I'm afraid of what that will mean for me and, and the way I relate to myself and my sexuality and my gender and all that sort of stuff. It's complex stuff, but I hope that as we move forward, people can be more open and a little bit more soft and curious. I think more curious is the big one. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely agree with that in just of terms of there's no rules about sex toys. There's no rules about sex. You know, it's the, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with partners, uh, what can feel good. But as you say, it doesn't have to mean anything about you. It's not morally good or morally bad or (laughs) if no one's getting hurt if everybody consents kind of situation but yeah it is I think it sounds very tricky to to hold people through 
these tumultuous kind of things. But then when they find what they're looking for or they have this new experience, you know, it sounds like you're really helping a lot of people to heal and find joy. And especially in 2020, you know, anything for serotonin, right? So <laughs> That's it. And Absolutely. Look, one of the things I think people, when they hear about Nikki Darling's non-gendered approach, they go, oh, okay, I get it. That's for the trans and gender diverse folk out there. That's who that's for. And it is for trans and gender diverse people. Absolutely. But I think that if we de-gender these products, then everyone benefits because if we stop associating certain things like strap-on sex or like anal play as being a gendered activity, then it takes away some of that confusion and you can just sort of look at these products and go, oh, I have a butt or, you know, I can, I have a waist, I can wear this harness or whatever it is. And um, maybe maybe what I do helps people just approach things in that slightly more curious way. So if you do have someone who's not feeling certain about a certain product, maybe having a look at something like Nikki Darling's website and just exploring those different categories together could be a, a way to ease into it as well. Absolutely. And so for our listeners out there, how can we support the Nikki Darling brand? Because obviously your your business values, I mean, I just, it gives me such a smile going to going to the online store and seeing that your company values are on there, you know, like that is really exciting for me. That feels very good for me as a consumer. But how can our community um, support Nikki Darling? Where can we find you online? Um, how can we yeah, how can we get involved and support and get the word out there? So the website is just nikidarling.com.au and then I'm on the socials at nikidarlingau and you'll find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I have a newsletter. I would love for you to sign up to it. Obviously, with the increasing restrictions on sex-related contents, I wake up every day, I'm sure, much like yourself, Lauren, going, is today the day that my Instagram account suddenly no longer Ugh. exists? My uh, huge platform I've put so much work into. That's it. So if you can jump onto nikidarling.com.au, sign up to the newsletter. I do not spam you. I don't send up. I, I barely remember to email you, but when I do, it's good stuff. Um, that's a nice way to, to stay in touch. And as far as supporting the business goes, the word of mouth is is really everything to me. So if you've had a good interaction with Nikki Darling, with me, with my website, um, and it's it's left you feeling positively about it, please tell someone, whether that's a friend or your partner or your mother or whoever it is, tell your boss, maybe. Um, but uh, just spreading the word so that more people know about my business and what I'm out here trying to do, that would be so helpful. So Lauren, I do believe that you might have prepared a little bit of a treat for Wonderfully Done listeners. Is that the case? That is the case. I have a uh, cheeky little code for your listeners. Just at the checkout, enter Wonderfully Done into the discount code field and you'll get 10% off your first order. I am really excited about that. Thank you for spoiling us, Lauren.
That is gorgeous. And fine folks, I can absolutely recommend it. Everything gets shipped beautifully. Everything arrives in a lovely way. I've loved everything that I've purchased and I'm a big believer in supporting small business. You'll definitely get a, a really superior shopping experience with Nikki Darling. So thank you so much for the time and energy, Lara, and I've had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a really good time. Okay, cuties, that is about all that we've had time for. So please scuttle on over to Nikki Darling, have a look, buy yourself something nice with that gorgeous, lovely little referral code, which we're so excited to have. And so on occasion, we're going to work with brands with people that we really support and encourage you to go and back. So please go buy some things from Nikki Darling, totally treat yourselves. Vix and I would absolutely love that for you. So We'll be back to some more standard episodes. Thank you so much for bearing with us while Lauren's had the wildness of Kickstarter life for her. And honestly, please get involved. If you go on over to our Curious Cat, that's curiouscat.qa forward slash wonderfully done, you can slippery slide us an anonymous little message, some feedback, some questions. You can also slide into our DMs if you are comfortable with that on Twitter. We are at done wonderfully on Twitter. Also, just have a look at the link tree that we have on our website thewonderfullydone.show or on our twitter that's at done wonderfully go have a look there there's a whole list of ways to get in touch with us and honestly if you're a fan you know as i was saying with lauren it's really hard to grow a sex related brand or a sex related project so if you're enjoying us please recommend it to a friend absolutely just slide it in in the group chat recommend it keep listening send us some reviews send us some feedback it'd be gorgeously motivating for us but we really love making it for you so thank you for sitting down and having a chat with two gorgeous Laurens and have a beautiful day. And hey, you're doing wonderfully. Wonderfully.